Welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews, and today we begin a brand new book together, uh, the book of Jonah. Jonah is a minor prophet, um, just the designation that we make really based on the size of their writings. So prophets like Isaiah and Ezekiel are called major prophets, while shorter books like Jonah or Habakkuk end up being called minor prophets. Jonah is actually a prophet of God serving in the 8th century BC. The book of 2 Kings helps us place him chronologically. 2 Kings 14.25, we learn that Jonah served under Jeroboam, who was the king of Israel from 793 to 753 BC. So that helps us give a little bit of a dating to this letter. Uh, It is before the Assyrians have defeated and destroyed Israel. But at the same time, Assyria, that that enemy nation that will do that in 722, they're the ones that we're going to see Jonah go to in this letter. In a way, you could say God is sending his prophet to speak to the Gentiles. We are thankful for that in the New Testament as well, as Jesus did not just come for the Jews, but he came for the Gentiles also, that the gospel is for all people. We're going to see a contrast in this letter, the contrast of the character of sinful men versus the character of God. As Jesus tells us in the New Testament that we are to love our enemies, that's a struggle for our sinful nature. And it's a real struggle for Jonah in this book. And yet God is going to show his mercy to those who oppose him and and hate him at first. So it's a a theme that will carry its way through the book. We begin today with chapter 1. Now the word of Yahweh came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of Yahweh. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of Yahweh. But Yahweh hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of Yahweh because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, 
for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to Yahweh, O Yahweh, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Yahweh, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared Yahweh exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and made vows. And Yahweh appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. A normal opening and introduction to a prophetic book of the Bible, uh, the word of Yahweh came to the prophet. God reveals his word to the prophets that they may then share it with larger groups of people. And even though Jonah is called to the people of Israel, here we actually have God calling him to go and serve someone who's not a part of his kingdom. Again, this message going out to even those that would be considered their enemy. Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. Assyria is the nation to the east of Israel. It is um, probably the strongest nation at that time, uh, historically. Assyria will in 60, 70 years' time, be the nation that destroys Israel at God's command and instruction for Israel's lack of faithfulness. But God sends Jonah there to call them to repent of their sins, to give them this opportunity of repentance and faith uh, to be saved in their knowledge of the Lord. And that's what this phrase, their evil has come up before me, is referring to. God knows their evil. He knows all things. It could also be a reference to prayer, that the people being oppressed by the Assyrians um, have cried out to the Lord. That could be involved there, but doesn't have to be. Verse 3, Jonah flees. He runs away. He doesn't want to do what God has given him to do. A question we can ask our children here, why did Jonah flee? Why doesn't Jonah want to share this message with the Assyrian people? The first answer I think we normally would come to, our minds would come to, would be fear. This people is an enemy. Do you want me to go into the the heart of their nation, to their capital, and speak to their their people and their king? But as we'll learn as the, the book continues, that's not Jonah's reason. Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh because he doesn't want God to have mercy on the Ninevites. That's going to come out clearly as we conclude the book in the next few days. So he goes to Joppa, which is a port city west of Jerusalem in the land of Israel. So it's on the Mediterranean Sea. He finds uh, a ship that's going to go as far away as he could think to go. Tarshish is in uh, modern-day Spain, the southern, very southern tip of Spain, roughly, um, close to where Spain and Europe then are going to touch northern Africa, Morocco, um, in our, our geography today is the, the place where this is. So he, he's sailing as far away as he can think to sail, um, as far away as they may have sailed at that time. He's thinking he can get away from the presence of Yahweh. Another question for our children here, can we escape God's presence? Is there anywhere in this world that he is not? 
couple of Bible verses to consider there from Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And from Jeremiah 23, verse 24, can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares Yahweh? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares Yahweh? So Jonah's desire to get away from the Lord is not even possible. When we are stuck in our sin, when we're rebelling against God, this is a thing of the law. It is a thing of fear and terror upon us. But when we are faithful, when we are trusting in the Lord and we're trusting in his promises, we're trusting in his forgiveness, this becomes a wonderful message of gospel, that God is always with us. He is always caring for us. He will never forsake us or leave us. We think of Jesus' words as he closes out the gospel of Matthew, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a beautiful promise for us and for our children. Verse 4, God is punishing Jonah's sin. So he causes this storm. It's also as the plagues served in the book of Exodus um, as a witness, as an opportunity for the Egyptians to learn that God is God. So this event is going to be for the purpose, not just for Jonah, but also for the, the sailors, that they may see that the Lord is God and that they may come to know him and believe in him as well, which actually happens. Uh, and we can rejoice at that, that we will meet some of these sailors someday. Man, sharing stories in paradise is going to be a wonderful thing. All right, we continue. Each cried out to his God. They're seeking help. They're spiritual peoples of various kinds, different religious backgrounds. They're crying out, everyone calling out to his own God, save us. And then beyond that, we see them doing everything that they can do to save themselves. It doesn't work. And so they go and they get Jonah. He wasn't helping. So they wake him, call out to your God. Again, one of these gods may hear us and save us. That's the thought. That's what they have going on here. And so they ultimately end up casting lots. It's a little confusing here what they're up to. Uh, casting lots, not a part of our normal culture today, nor is this the Israelites casting lots, which is something God had directed and given them to do. Uh, for the discerning of his will. Here, God is going to take this pagan cultural practice uh, and he's going to guide it anyway. So the lots fall to Jonah. It's a, on his account that this is happening to them. So they ask him a bunch of questions to learn more. He speaks a statement of faith. I am a Hebrew. I fear Yahweh, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. That's a bold confession. And it's a confession these men hear and take to heart as this account continues. There must have been, from the way the text reads, at least some knowledge of who the Hebrew people are and who their God is. Um, the men seem to have some kind of an understanding, of at least a basic background here of what's going on. Even after this, though, even after learning it's Jonah and asking what they can do, Jonah says, toss me into the sea. Their response is, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do everything again we can do to save ourselves. And once again, it fails. This is our salvation conversation as well. We try our sinful nature. We want to do everything we can 
to control our lives and to do everything we can to save ourselves from death. We do that both here as we try to live in this life and extend our our earthly days as long as possible, but also as we try to escape, well, hell on our own. We think we can achieve perfection on our own. The sailors are doing very much the same thing. They're trying to save themselves, and they simply cannot. And so finally they listen. They throw Jonah overboard. After praying a prayer to Yahweh, they pray to the God of heaven and earth, the one who made all things. And then they cast Jonah into the sea, and the sea immediately stops. Just as Jesus calms the storm in the New Testament, God stops this storm. And the sailors feared the Lord. They feared Yahweh exceedingly. And they offer a sacrifice. They make vows. So God actually uses this event. He uses Jonah's rebellion and sin as an opportunity to share faith with these men, these sailors. And it brings them to faith. Again, a great connection to Exodus as we see that as well. It's Exodus chapter 7 verse 5 where we first hear that that's the purpose of the plagues. And it's later, I think it's chapter 12, where we see in Exodus that some of the Egyptians actually left Egypt with the Israelites. Lastly, verse 17, a great fish. God sends a fish to swallow up Jonah. Usually we see that portrayed as being a whale. Um, There's nothing in the text here that indicates it's a whale. Uh, Could have been a very special fish. Uh, Could have been a one one of a kind that God created specifically for this purpose. It's a miraculous event, whatever it is. So whether this is a whale, uh, a just another creature that we don't have a familiarity with, whatever animal this is, God has, has given it this task of swallowing up Jonah for three days to bring Jonah to repent. A question for our children, if they can think of other threes, other things of three days or three nights in the scriptures. There we want them to come to the sign of Jonah that Jesus mentions in Matthew chapter 12, that he would rest in the in the earth for three days. As we think of Jesus in the conversation of his death and his resurrection, that on the third day he would rise from the dead. The Lord's blessings be with you. Tomorrow we get to see Jonah's repentance.